We made it to 25 episodes. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Barstool Politics at 25 episodes. I haven't had that much commitment for anything. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> and, and each of the last few weeks, we've had like a record listenership each time. We're, we're mm. growing. So yeah. keep telling your people keep telling your friends about us. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, as long as Trump sticks around, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that helps tremendously. If he gets impeached, we're fucked. We're just done with close-up shop. <laughs> it's a good run. Uh, welcome back, guys. Um, hey, shocking! It was another crazy week. It was. Uh, it, it was, and I think tomorrow. So we're, we're obviously we're taping on Wednesday. Tomorrow is uh, James Comey testimony in front of the Senate. Must see TV. So much fun. Yep. Uh, it's, um, it's like big it's big news people are talking about uh, like they they have special watching parties at bars in dc and stuff to watch the testimony <laughs> of a former fbi director that's uh, insane yeah suzanne was saying that they are opening bars early in dc so people can show up and get there and please bars are open at like 9 a.m there <laughs> grab a cocktail and listen to the testimony people all have problems mm. <clears throat> um so he released his opening statement did this he even, afternoon. Did he release it? Or I thought he did. It was, it was officially released. We have it. I didn't know if it was leaked or if it was released. I I'm, didn't see. I'm pretty sure it was officially released. Okay, yes. His yeah. statement for the record. His opening statement tomorrow. Mm. It's good, Nick. <laughs> but like we were talking about, and we had gone back and forth about doing this episode today or tomorrow, and my thing was, I like I don't think it's going to be... Again, anything that we haven't heard or anything earth-shattering. And, I mean, just based on the opening statement or whatever statement that you want to call that, like, I, there's nothing in there that really shocked me. It's something we've heard in bits and pieces from different media outlets and leaks and whatnot. This just happens to be in an official document. From the FBI director himself. So I, I, I think that does change it. Nah, <laughs> I, that's details. I think that, that's like, that, that's... That's evidence of the insanity of the first few months of the Trump administration to some extent, right? That it's like you're so numb to the craziness that like it's just like, man, it's, it's no big there. deal. We've yeah, heard whatever. like it's <laughs> <laughs> I was so we'll talk about the document itself in just a minute, but I was telling you guys beforehand that the Lawfare blog, which is this this sort of big uh uh, blog for following what's going on here. Uh, some uh, Benjamin Witz wrote this article after the release of the document today, and uh, he describes the release of this as the most shocking single document compiled about the official conduct of public duties of any president since the release of the Watergate tapes. And I know you don't see that, Nick, but that's no, significant. Obstruction of justice is a big deal. Yeah, prove obstruction of justice. Well, we're, right? <laughs> Obstru I think, Bill, you should say obstruction of justice used to be a big deal. <laughs> right, maybe it's unclear some... if it's a big deal anymore right, or not. That's a fair point. Oh. All right, so but maybe we can, get into, we can get into a little bit more. But I just some of the tidbits that came out of this mm -hmm. is talking about... In, in, the, in this opening statement, he says, he, he goes out of his way to say that during his time as FBI director under Barack Obama, he only met with Obama twice. Right. One of which was to say goodbye. And another time was, I don't know, <laughs> the other, what the other reason was for. But he's met with Trump either in person or over the phone nine times already. Mm -hmm. So two versus nine, three in person with Trump, six over the phone. Uh, that's significant, right? Mm -hmm. And it's clear from this document that Comey finds that incredibly uncomfortable mm -hmm. that the president is so actively engaging the FBI director. Mm -hmm. Well, the FBI is set up to be independent, right? I mean, it's supposed to be, there's supposed to be this buffer zone between 
the FBI director and the president. So the communication should go between Department of Justice and uh, the Office of Legal Counsel, and, and, and it shouldn't be, yeah, it, the president should not be picking up the phone and calling the FBI director directly <laughs> what do you to ask about? about the ongoing investigation. <laughs> right, right. And this stand these relationships, and he's used to dealing with people directly, mm. and this is a learning curve, or does he get that, but his, his way of working is is pushing people and you know then that's a different message i mean I, it's got to be a combination of both we know he doesn't know how the system right. works but right. people have to be telling him right comey's telling yeah. him in the I, document I, you know what he could have every single person in that administration telling him what to do and yeah. it's just going to go in one ear and out the other you know <laughs> that we all know that if we've learned anything from the first few months of the presidency is that he doesn't listen to the people around <laughs> that's him. That's right, that's right. Unless they're on TV. That's, like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So, so in, in, this, in the opening statement, which everybody will learn about tomorrow, Comey goes through and, and he says they met, not, or they've talked or met nine times, but he highlights a handful of meetings that were significant. Uh, one of which, again, as you said, Nick, we know about, was the dinner on January 27th. Mm-hmm. So at lunchtime, he calls Comey and says, hey, come over for dinner. Uh, and he says, you know, I want, was thinking about the whole family, but let's just make, you know, you this time. So Comey says in the document, it was unclear from the conversation who else would be at the dinner, although I assumed there would be others. Next paragraph. It turned out just to be the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Seated at a small oval table in the center of the green room. So, uh, and the, the president begins the conversation by asking him whether he wanted to stay on at the FBI. Uh, my instincts told me that the one-on-one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant the dinner was, at least in part, an effort to have have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. Right? That's that's a big deal. That's hearsay. <laughs> that's a, okay, okay. All right, okay. But then the president says, this is a quote, a few months later, the president said, quote, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Comey. I didn't move, speak, or change my facial expression in any way during the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other in silence. <laughs> That's like when Phil and I... Staring contest, yeah. go. <laughs> you don't see that as a big deal? I, I mean, I, I, it, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Show me what's going to move the investigation forward out of that statement. What investigation? Are we talking about Russia or obstruction of justice? Obstruction right? of justice. What? I mean, I, you, I, it is obstruction, right? Why? You have sworn sworn testimony of the former FBI director. Right. And a story came out today that it can be, at least large chunks of it can be corroborated by at least three right. high-ranking I, FBI officials. Right. So they had dinner one-on-one with no one else there. Yeah. So, again, it's still his word against Trump's word. Yeah. And, I, I mean, nothing in there directly says... He was going for a specific patronage type of relationship. He said it was implied. Okay, no, 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 okay. There's more quotes. Uh, Trump then said, quote, I need loyalty. Move to strike. (laughs) I replied, you will always get honesty from me. He paused and said, that's what I want. Honest loyalty. (laughs) See, that's just hilarious. (laughs) So, I think you're you're underestimating the, the weight of the testimony of... James Comey or someone like him. I mean, your your argument essentially is, you know, you get a traffic ticket and you go to court, and when the cop says he was going eighty, you're like, that's hearsay. It's my word against his. Like, the court's going to take the the, like your of the police officer over you. Yeah. So I, I think it's you know it's going to play out more like that. Okay. I, I think it's you know 
I think to maybe a lot of political, you know, a lot of sort of everyman people out there um, watching this, they may see it as sort of a he said, he said sort of thing. Yeah. But I think to political players, to people who are in law enforcement or in politics, they're going to take his testimony very seriously. Especially because he does. I mean, in in the, these accounts, Comey does say uh, he asks them. You know, when they're talking about Flynn at, a, Flynn at a later meal. I hope or a meeting. I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Right. I mean that intentional or not that's obstruction of justice that particular statement is definitely more worrisome than the other one okay good so you're on my side now (laughs) later on later that's like textbook example obstruction of justice later on you know he talks he'll also reference the march 30th phone call where uh trump calls comey and says i hope you can lift the cloud of this russian investigation i mean he's He's clearly pushing. Um, and so this is, so Comey will say this tomorrow uh, if he reads the statement word for word. So again, this is from Comey. Uh, he, talking about Trump, said he had nothing to do with Russia, had not in, been involved with hookers in Russia, and had always assumed even to record it. So like, Comey tomorrow is going to say the phrase, he's not been involved with hookers in Russia. <laughs> right? Where, where, where are we, Phil? <laughs> what? What? Was that the peeing story? Yeah, Is that what yeah, that was? yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, oh. which, yeah. Okay, and all right, I'll stop reading quotes after this last quote. <laughs> <laughs> so their final phone call was on April 11th. And again, Trump calls Comey and wants to, to ask him about why he hasn't cleared him and why Comey hasn't said that, there's, that the president himself isn't being investigated. And so they have this conversation back and forth. Um, and, and Comey says, basically, the, the Department of Justice needs to do this. I can't do this. Uh, and he says, he said he would do that. And then Trump added, because I have been very loyal to you. Very loyal. We had that thing, you know. Uh, and so, and then Comey continues, I did not reply or ask him what he meant by that thing. They got a thing. You don't know what the thing is. You should have asked. Sorry. You're sick. It feels like a lot of pressure, yeah. uh, and I'm guessing in follow-up questions tomorrow, Comey's going to acknowledge that that he felt uh, it, pressure may not be the word, but certainly there is. Uh, oh, I don't know. There was there was an intent by the president to shift the FBI focus away from Michael sure. Flynn and also I, Russia. Yeah, I think one of the most telling things tomorrow will be the questioning and how it goes. So I think mm-hmm. back to Sally Yates and when she was testifying, mm-hmm. the questions from the Republicans were not about obstruction of justice or firings or any of that stuff. It was about whether or not she had been partisan or not. So it was very much attacking her. So I, I think it'll be, you know, we'll know more about sort of where we've talked about how you know, Trump's ability to sort of withstand this storm depends on his ability to keep Republican support. And if Republicans go after Comey tomorrow, that will be telling. Um, And it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how, Mm -hmm. obviously, Democrats are going to, you know, they have they have an obvious objective here. But well, and the other thing to think about is it's it's not just Comey, right? So uh, reports, uh, I guess it was last night that the Washington Post or the New York Times broke a story that Trump had also reached out to the director of national intelligence, um, uh, Dan Coats, and asked him to intervene and see whether Comey could lift this. So there's, we're talking about multiple people over multiple months where Trump is putting pressure on them, asking them to alleviate pressure on Flynn or Russia. And I guess the question I have is, like, why would he do that? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on here? Is is it is he loyal to Flynn? Does he just feel bad that his buddy Flynn is 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 might go to jail is having pressure, or is there something else? Right? Is he worried about the investigation? It's got it. There's no other explanation either than he's loyal to Flynn. I'm sure, it's both. I mean, he's. There's, I think he said in there, Flynn's Flynn's a really good. He's guy. a good guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but who who else other than his family members does he have that extent of loyalty to? Nobody, right? Everybody. I mean, so he, uh, the story broke this week that he might get rid of Sessions. Uh, he's thrown Manafort. Well, he's all these other guys. He'll throw under the bus. So the question is, why does Flynn get this special treatment um, as opposed to everybody else? Mm-hmm. Well, the Sessions thing. I mean, that story came out yesterday, and, and my impression or my understanding of it was that Sessions offered to resign because Trump was so pissed about his recusal, recusing yeah. himself from the Russian investigation. So this is, you know, if you're talking about the series of people that Trump has put pressure on, I mean, that that's in sort of an inverse kind of way. But yeah, he's pissed because Sessions is stepping out of it, and obviously because he's hoping Sessions can have some impact on the investigation. Yeah, and so there, there could be. I mean, to your earlier point, Nick, there could be nothing to the Trump Russia stuff, mm-hmm. but his behavior here, obstruction of justice, could still be the the issue that gets him out, right? Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think there is a significantly stronger case for obstruction of justice as opposed to ties with Russia. I think that's going to be infinitely harder to prove. But who? who somebody tweeted this week that they don't. They didn't believe it was a Trump critic, but they're they're. Uh, their tweet was that they don't believe that Trump colluded with the Russians because they don't think that Trump even colludes with his own administration. That <laughs> was a, a pretty fair point. <laughs> it's, it still seems more likely to me that Paul Manafort or Michael Flynn had conversations with the Russians mm-hmm. and that Trump may have tacitly said, this is okay, like, you know, do whatever you want to do. They didn't think they were going to win, so there w- wouldn't have been a real danger to this. Right. Um, and maybe not even seeing anything wrong with it, right? Let's let's all go after Hillary. She's the she's the problem, obviously. Right? And so, and now this is all coming back as potential evidence, right? And so yeah. and so maybe Manafort and Flynn are the only ones that did anything illegal, mm-hmm. either in, in terms of the turkey lobbying or the Russia stuff. Uh, but if Trump knew, that's that's then that becomes Russia becomes a story, right? So I'm sure yeah. even even if Trump didn't know at the time but has proceeded to try to cover up the investigation yes. that's that's an issue as well mm-hmm. no absolutely right that's yeah uh, i think so so you you got you got potentially i mean so the fbi and Mueller Mueller are looking at this you know did russia what was the nature of russian intervention in the election right that's one thing then was there any collusion with the trump administration and then the third question is was there obstruction of justice right so you got mm-hmm. three separate things it's hard to keep it all straight. What's going on? Yeah, it's it's out of control. Yeah. So uh, something else uh, that you mentioned in passing, uh, you talked about Sessions. You also talked about Coates, the, yeah. the director of national intelligence, who testified before Congress today, um, in what was a strange uh, back and forth, in which he basically was asked about these conversations that he had with Trump, whether or not Trump put pressure on him to intervene or to 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 come out and, and denounce the Russia I forget what the to what put, the exact to put pressure pressure, was. pressure on Comey to move on I from the right. investigation mm-hmm. yeah yes and when asked about it Coates uh, said that he didn't think it was appropriate is that I don't remember the exact wording but he chose not to say anything about those conversations mm-hmm. um, which was kind of weird and a little telling maybe he was even pushed 
I forget which senator, one of them pushed him by basically saying, it would be incredibly easy to say, no, this conversation didn't happen. Why don't you just say that? And his response was, I don't think the personal conversations between the president and I should be, you know, public record or whatever. Um, he is he is a Trump appointee, right? He has he has that honest loyalty to Trump that Trump would like from, would have liked from Comey. Absolutely. Although, I mean, he turned down when Trump put pressure on him to say, uh, you know, announce publicly that I'm not under investigation. And then when he was asked to uh, put pressure on Comey, he denied both of them, right? So, I mean, he gets yeah. that that's inappropriate, mm-hmm. but right. there's at least some political element where he's not willing to throw his boss under the bus here. So, no, right. that that's that's... Again, really important, but also suggesting that Trump's effort to shape this investigation is not limited just to Comey. Well, I'm sure he's worried about what kind of testimony could possibly come out tomorrow, too. He probably right. doesn't want to 86 the, his entire relationship with the administration at this point. Or, or, you know, say something that's going to either be refuted or corroborated right. tomorrow. <laughs> Although, as you were saying before we went on air, he's planning on live tweeting this. Is Trump oh God! So yeah, Trump, Trump is. Yeah. I don't know if there's a better event than Comey testifying and Trump live tweeting in response. No, it's the Super Bowl of politics. If if I'm Fox or CNN or MSNBC, you have to have both up, right? So you have to have Obviously. yeah, you know, Comey video and then Trump's <laughs> live Twitter feed right there. And if you're Trump's legal counsel, you have to be trying to figure out some way to like destroy his Twitter account for right. like a two-hour period. <laughs> well. Did you guys see this? I don't know. It came out the last couple of days that Trump has reached out to a number of law firms to defend him on this issue or to be their, the official lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he was turned down by three or four different firms yeah. for a couple of reasons. One, apparently he doesn't pay. So like in, in the previous, <laughs> okay. right, he hasn't paid his lawyers. And secondly, that they're afraid he's not going to listen. That, you know, that they could come up with this wonderful legal defense and he will just do what he wants to do. And it makes them compromise the integrity of the firm. Well, with, I mean, he's radioactive at this point. Yeah. You can't even kind of touch that. I mean, you, you're screwed the second you're you're attached to that. Does it feel like this week or the last 10 days were different? Like, Trump has been kind of funny and, you know, like, oh, that's crazy. But this last week... It's been very, very dour. Yeah, this, yeah, it feels like, especially with some of the substantive issues, that like this now finally matters. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm more troubled this week than I have been in previous weeks. Like, I used to think really? it, it was <laughs> it was kind of funny. Now I'm like, oh man, this is not, this is not good. It's real now. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Phil, how, how, what's in New Hampshire, what's, what's the mood? I don't talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it's I, I'm I'm curious to see where this leads and then where where there will actually be an endpoint to this because like this could go on for I mean there are so many different components of it and so many different individuals that you could pull in for a testimony and and yep. whatnot like you could literally have something like this every week for the next six months there's no exactly there's no way this goes away quickly we're talking months if not a year or more and you're just pulling the thread at this point right there's gonna be more yeah and and all of the stuff that's happening on the surface you have to you have to assume that there's that much and more going on behind the scenes with the Mueller investigation so if if Coates is saying I don't want to say in an open session right so Mueller has subpoena power and all I mean you'd have to you have to assume that 
the, these sorts of conversations and testimony and investigations are going on behind the scenes in ways that we're not seeing. And, and that, that may not be able to bring down Trump, but if it starts bringing down all the people around him, then that becomes really serious political baggage well, for at, him. At what point do you think you start seeing defections within the administration? If, if people really start going down, mm-hmm. which there's a distinct possibility that that'll be the case, yeah. when do people start eating their own at, at this point? I... I I sort of suspect it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I'm Mike Flynn, right? So Mike Flynn is going to jail, right? Yes. Like, and so I, yes. <laughs> if I'm Mike Flynn, I am I am offering to testify if I can um, in order to get immunity or, you know, to decrease any sort of penalties that I might face. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I suspect that, who knows? But, I, yeah, I suspect that maybe this is the beauty of Trump not staffing 80% of the government is that he doesn't have that many people around him to betray him. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you're, you would have to think that people are starting to think that way. If things go south, how do I cover my own ass? Right. Well, and I, absolutely. I, I think Manafort and Flynn are the two to watch, right? Because there's the only reason they would flip or the only reason that the government, FBI or Mueller, whoever is if, if they've got something that goes higher than them. Right. Right. Uh, and apparently, so Mueller has brought in the guy that, like, this this special, like, mob prosecutor uh, that is, uh, we're on air, guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my you children are coming. Ice cream and get your <laughs> we're all right, guys. Uh, we, we literally are taping right now. So. Wait, so it's online? <laughs> yes. It's online. Right. Say hi. So the, the listeners know my children have just literally walked into the uh, taping of the podcast. So, so would you want I can't. I can't go to Chipotle or get ice cream, guys. So, Why not? Yeah, we're taping. Oh. As soon as the podcast is over. Thank when, you so much. Be? Oh. <laughs> like an hour. All right. Okay. Love, Love you. you. All right. <laughs> Love you too, guys. You're on tape. Yes, we're this literally taping. You guys gotta go. Wait, what? <laughs> All right. What, what were we yes. saying? <laughs> we were talking about how professional we are here. That's <laughs> That's a new one. We've had the cleaning lady walk in, but we've never had my children Former literally walk in. cleaning lady and children. Yeah. Children. Yep. Yeah. And my children were the most persistent about staying, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, so you're so talking about You're talking about if Flynn's going to flip, it's because they can get somebody higher and... Right. And, and so that Mueller has brought in the guy who... Uh, this, this guy who specializes going after mob individuals, right? And looking at the financial stuff, which for both... Uh, Flynn and Manafort are are significant. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the... I think it's possible. Oh. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, tomorrow's going to be great. I'm this close to, to calling off work just so I can devote 100% of Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking the same thing. But at the same time, you don't think it's going to be that explosive or that... You don't think it's going to have that big of an impact? No, I don't think that his testimony will be that, again, earth-shattering. I think... Yeah. Trump's response to his testimony, whatever he says, is going to be hilarious. So don't you think it, the lawyer, his lawyers, his staff have to be having a like conversation over Kentucky Fried Chicken tonight, telling him like, All right, guys, we gotta kill him. Right? We, we no, just, no, no. just gotta go. No, it's just to tell him <laughs> that you cannot live tweet. You can't do this, right? I mean, there's there's no way this works out well for him if he is responding to what Comey says. I'm, and again, we talked about this before. They could strap him in a chair, <laughs> hold his eyes open, and go, you can't do this. This will ruin you. 
and he's going to get up out of that chair and immediately start doing yeah. it. He has no impulse control. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, any any circumstance. Like, can you imagine any circumstance? Like, I don't know, an acute like O.J. Simpson, like live tweeting the testimony of <laughs> no, like, the, like right. anybody. Like, this is insane. Like a, a a legal testimony, and the the person it's about is going to basically be live tweeting condemnation of the of the guy talking. Well, especially given this. The no wonder no attorney wants to work for him. Right. I mean, he could potentially be impeached by something he says tomorrow. Or I mean, it is—it's unlikely, but it is also possible he would go to jail if he does. If he says, if there is something and he reveals it tomorrow, like, and again, we don't That's know. That's a good point. He's not good at figuring right. that out. And the lawyers probably don't know. And the, so the lawyers are in their mind. They're saying <coughs> he he may know something about Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would I would grab his phone and run away. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So Trump is like I, I see Trump like reacting to every random stimulus stimuli around him. I see Comey as playing this like complex game of chess. Right? Yes. Yeah. Is there any chance that Comey like intentionally says like is there oh, you know, is good. there any chance that he says something to try to provoke a response from Donald Trump in writing on on the internet for everyone to see? Mm-hmm. He. <laughs> He answers the question and then just stares directly into the camera. <laughs> you know that that is that's a fantastic question. I hadn't thought about that, but I would say yes. Don't you think that Comey Comey knows what he's going to answer to every he, Comey knows every single question that's going to be asked tomorrow, and he's prepared to answer those questions. And he's not a guy that whimsically responds. He's going to think about this is what I'm going to say, and I think he's upset the way Trump fired him. So there's no reason to hold back. And he's a career yeah. prosecutor, right? Like, yes. I mean, right. His, what he's done for his life is get people to admit, you know, right. information that that is um, <laughs> that is in some way condemning, right? I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's his like top goal. But I, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't. I don't see him as being that diabolical. I think he probably is going in just to answer questions. But I, I wonder if that's in the back of his head. It's it is it is very possible. It's um, true. I mean, yeah. I mean, he could just go with the nuclear nuclear option if one of the uh, is it senators or is it congressman? Tomorrow, Senate. Yeah, Senate. Yeah. yeah. If um, if they just piss him off in the in the wrong way. And there's no reason. I mean, he it would it be interesting to see whether he comments on the Russia stuff. You know, he may say I can't comment on that, but all their personal interactions he can refer, reference right. and. He is so strategic with his word choices. Uh, I mean, he was strategic. The fact that he started his, or he'll begin his comments tomorrow, talking about the fact that he had two meetings with Obama and nine with Trump. Like that's significant, right? That suggests yeah. there's there's something that he's trying to get at. That there's something wrong or inappropriate about the way that this president is appro- uh, addressing the FBI director. Not this is brilliant, Barker. Well, and this is not this is not his first time doing this either. So I, I don't know if people remember, but Comey had a very prominent and sort of, uh, I don't know, a pretty devastating testimony um, during the Bush administration when he was, assist- what was he? He was uh, in the attorney general's office at that time. Yes, assistant, um, yeah. And that was, I, I don't know if, if listeners remember, but when, when uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ashcroft was in the hospital. Uh, and they were trying to get him to sign off on the uh, Rumsfeld's uh, list of enhanced interrogation techniques. And he, Comey, rushed there and uh, tried to prevent it from happening. Anyway, there was testimony. He was called to testify about that afterwards 
Um, and his testimony was uh, was pretty explosive and pretty damning for the Bush administration. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's 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 done this before. He knows what he's doing and he's very effective. He is at, at this sort of thing. And he's not afraid. I mean, he's you know, he's he's a Republican, but he's, he's not afraid to throw Republicans under the bus. And in some well, ways, this feels like. This is a conversation amongst Republicans. Well, yeah, that'll be telling, is the response from Republicans mm-hmm. during the testimony. And I, I I personally don't think that they would be dumb enough to really go after him on this, but oh, I... I mm. No, they, they, will be, they will be careful, right? Uh, I would hope so. You think? Yeah. <laughs> But what, like, what about what about previous what about previous te- like go back to so the most recent example of like a sharp legal mind from the Justice Department testifying oh, is Sally Yates right and they yeah. didn't hesitate to go after her like crazy like I don't what I don't but what makes was, you think that they're going to be more deferential here because she was an Obama appointee right and so you know Comey is a Republican appointee he's a Republican uh, I think you have to I think they I, more deference there right to I would say. Hope so. Uh, you don't. Oh, that's oh, that's a good question. Oh uh, man, yeah, cancel work. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, we should probably move on. All We're right, already a half hour. In. Uh, this, this and we haven't even heard the testimony. We've no, I haven't even heard. Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah, uh, and we reserve the right to offer another podcast tomorrow night if it gets really yes, salacious. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, at, at at the very least, if Trump is live tweeting. Uh, at least I will be live tweeting as well. So that's, I don't know about you guys. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we transitioned to talking about the uh, the London attack this week. Sure. And uh, a lot of angles here, right? I mean, one is uh, thinking about you know ISIS again carrying out another attack, the third uh, attack within a year or three whatever. Months. Yeah, three months. Is it with how many months? Within three months, I think, yeah. or maybe a little bit more than that, because you had the the the. Uh... Westminster Bridge, the guy who, That's right. who right. Yes. At, the, at the parliament a um, couple of weeks ago was the Manchester attack at the yeah, Ariana Grande yeah. concert. Right. Um, and then this one, yeah. So it does seem that there's a shift so that, you know, both Paris uh, Paris and London are now the epicenters for ISIS, more, more so than the United States. But so you, you have that angle thinking about the way in which ISIS and their threat, uh, and again, a lot of this has been homegrown terrorism. This is not individuals traveling to these countries but from within mm-hmm. uh you also have the interaction between uh donald trump and the mayor of london um which i think nick has something to say about but where are uh, where you got you've got you've got the that. travel ban aspect of it donald that's trump right donald trump, trump weighed in on that, that. Um, also donald trump tweeting about how uh, how even though London bans guns, it doesn't prevent. It led to a whole gun control debate because he was saying yes. terrorism still happens, even when there are no guns. Yep. Um, so there are all sorts of of elements to this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe a place to start is I thought it was interesting. Theresa May, uh, the prime minister, who's up for re-election, is election tomorrow. 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 Okay. Tomorrow. She will almost certainly win. Likely, although. Although she's she's the, this election this campaign has been a disaster for her. It yeah. was expected that she would solidify her lead quite a bit, and now it's looking like she'll stay where she her party will retain control in basically right. the same way. But some of the polls have it even kind of neck and neck. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We she know will probably polls win. don't matter. None of that is actual data. British polls are better. Um, <laughs> I, so there was she made a statement that after the attack that surprised me a little bit. She talked about. Uh, she she called this a perversion of Islam, 
uh, and quote, there is to be, Frank, far too much tolerance of extremism in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was a bit surprised about that. I uh, <laughs> yeah, well, just this idea of, of tolerance of extremism, because that pushes her, I think, further. And Phil, you're the European expert, but I mean, this, this feels like language that I wasn't expecting out of her. Yeah, it, it's um, the, the statement that was, and I don't remember the exact words, but she also said something along the lines of, uh, if it comes, more or less, she said, if it comes down to like protecting human rights or protecting our people, we're going to protect our people, which mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, that's, that's, those are strong words and kind of, I mean, I, I get the sentiment that we need to protect our own people, but anytime someone's saying like, we're going to throw out human rights in order to bring like security, it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, so yeah, all of that is, is a little surprising coming out of it, but but Britain has always been more American than the rest of Europe yeah, at the same right, time right. In, in that context. So. Although in terms of surveillance, though, Britain has much more aggressive laws than the United States in terms of watching and uh, yep. way more aggressive than the United States. How well has that worked out? This One of the guys was in a fucking Netflix documentary. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> one of the guys, one of the attackers from this past weekend was in a Netflix documentary. And shockingly, that documentary got pulled off of Netflix like the day after. That seems reasonable. Yeah, doesn't it? (laughs) I haven't, I I have not, so I was out of town all weekend and I haven't read as much about it as I would have liked to, but... The Summer of Phil. Do what? The Summer of Phil. That's right, that's right. (laughs) Eating a big block of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) But this one was, whereas, so the the Westminster Bridge attack, the first one, seemed like it was a guy, right, who drove his car into people and then got out and stabbed some uh, some people at the uh, Houses of Parliament. This one was a more coordinated attack, right? Yes. I mean, it was yeah. three guys were killed, 11 three or 12 guys. more were arrested. Fake suicide vests. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, the documentary was called The Jihadi Next Door. So they knew exactly who the guy was, at least one of them. Yeah. And the other two, I'm pretty sure, were under... under quote-unquote, 24-hour surveillance as well. But it does call into question, like, how... So, I don't think that Great Britain is lax on these things, right? I mean, I think they're... I think the United States and Britain are very aggressively behind the scenes pursuing this. For me, it feels like there's only so much you can do because there's probably an incredibly long list of individuals like this that potentially could do it, and you've got to know which one is going to be the one that actually does it. And that's, it's not like we're talking about hundreds of individuals. No, there are, but, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands. You're right. Yeah. It's not, Tens this of is thousands, not, this, I think. This is not Minority Report, Nick. We can't see the future. <laughs> no, but like realistically, <laughs> let's look at the context of the situation. And we talked about this, whenever it was, when we talked about the, the last, the, uh, right. the right. Manchester attack. When does it get to a breaking point where you start thinking about uh, quote unquote extreme? alternatives betting betting betting. yeah Yeah. something to change the dynamic of the situation i think they're starting to get to that point but how do you it's one thing to say to think about using that those more aggressive tactics with individuals coming into a country which is donald trump's whole argument of extreme betting i don't think it's even that i think they have a mass i I think i think they have a massive muslim population especially in london and the surrounding suburbs that they're there is a significant cultural difference there that you can't necessarily ignore. And, I, I, and I, I, I'm not saying that that's, that, you know, it's necessarily because it's a Muslim population that's a, a significant minority there, but 
like that's where it's what 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 other terrorist attack do you see in the country that's being perpetrated by another minority group what are we talking about britain specifically yes well for years it was the it was the it's irish the, IRA, the IRA, irish. yeah that's um, not the case at this point but but like what i mean would like <laughs> Do you you can't like you can't say you can't you couldn't have then said no people no no people of Irish descent are ever allowed or we're going to arrest all Irish people in the in Britain like that would have been a crazy no response. I'm not saying so, that either but, the, so, if, but the, what, if you're going to tell people that they're under that we have a list of people that are under 24 hour surveillance and to the point where they're featured in Netflix documentaries about jihadis in Western Europe yeah you need so, to do something more than fucking watch them. Okay, so what? What are you going to do? They haven't committed any crimes. I don't really care. They're going to figure it out. What are you going to do, Nick? How are you going to stop random, a very small percentage of of Muslim people from attacking? From how do you do that? I don't know, but they're going to figure it out. No, but no, I don't. I don't know if you can figure it out. I'm sure of. Whether it's good or bad, they're going to figure it out. Well, I I think there's there's a limit because I mean, so Theresa May is talking about we're going to do more. I'm not sure they can do more without undermining what it means to be a liberal democracy. Oh, I'm not saying that they're not going to undermine it. I'm saying they're going to do something. <laughs> but you know, for, interesting for me, like, with it, with, when this attack took, took place, like, some of the first groups condemning it were Muslim groups within London saying, you know, I mean, and I think that's important to say, draw this distinction to say, this is not Islam, this is a group within Islam that's doing this. That's fine. But it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, it's incredibly hard for Western liberal democracies to try to have a political system and still confront a threat like this. I mean, it's, it's you know, a needle in a haystack kind of situation. Unless yeah. you want to go to draconian, you know, crackdown on everybody. I, and, I, and nobody wants that. No, I, Yeah, no, I don't think anyone wants that. But I, I, I don't know what other alternative that they're going to come up with at this you point. You have to accept. Yeah. Go ahead, Phil. I, I, it's all, it's that's the mindset, though. Like, you come at this with a mindset in the sense of, like... Oh. So how many people were killed in that attack? This was a smaller uh, eight. number. Yeah. Eight? Yeah. Eight. eight. Tragic, right? Like eight people killed is is awful. How many people are murdered in the US every every day? More I would than... guess at least eight people are murdered every day in the right, United right. States, sure. right? Yeah. So like why the the approach that like we have to we have to crack down and destroy civil liberties to prevent this from happening seems weirdly out of proportion to the problem that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a good point, right? Um, and I, I really think that democracies are—we have to almost accept this. I mean, so we, you know, whether it's traffic fatalities, gun violence fatalities in the United States, we've accepted that thousands and thousands of people every year will die because of this, and we say it's no good, but it's just a reality, and we're not willing to take that next step to say, well, you know, whatever whatever is necessary, we're going to do this gun regulation or traffic. We say this is the reality of living with this in this kind of society. I, I think that's the reality here. But I, uh, I know, I, I know, it's frustrating. No, Nick. but I, I mean, you talk about whatever you're going to talk about the entirety of 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 crime, whether you're in the U.S. or Britain or wherever else in the world. The specific point or, of terrorism, or, or Sweden, or Sweden, whatever, yeah, yeah. all of those places. It's, where, ni- it's nice there, is it? <laughs> Um, you have good health care. Yeah, that's right. Um, the specific goal of terrorism is to incite fear to the yes. point where it breaks down society. So you don't take the bait. 
Yeah, but then what do you do? You just take it? Yes. At what point yes. do you stop taking it? No, I mean, you still do everything you can do behind the scenes. And I, I think the, the United Kingdom and the United States, like, we are doing so much that never gets publicized. It's not as if the NSA, the CIA, the FBI are like, oh, this is too bad. I mean, they are very aggressively pursuing this. And I would yeah, say... I agree. But I, and I, I'm not saying that they're yeah. not. But like you mentioned... There are three significant terrorist attacks in, what, three, four months? Yeah. Within the same, you know, region. I was going to say city, but Manchester doesn't necessarily count. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's... Define, define significant. Uh, people? People have died? No, people? I, I agree. I agree. No, I, people have died. It is significant. But I, I don't know, like... Is it... Has it been... I don't... Have, like, I, it, it's... It doesn't seem like it's in any way proportional to the sort of response that you are wanting. Okay, so like then... eight people are killed is that's awful. But eight people get like people like it's terrible, and we should do everything we can to stop it. But mm. I, that's not true. We shouldn't do everything we can to stop it. But it seems like that's almost what you're arguing, and it seems like there are certain things that I value more than the random chance that eight out of however many tens of millions of people live in... I mean, London itself has, like, 20 million people living in it. Eight people were killed. Okay. I mean, how, how far are you willing to go in taking away freedoms and liberties and checks in order to prevent eight people from... an eight out of 20 million chance of this occurring? That's know, on man. one particular like, day. If it, if it keeps going at this pace, and if I was someone living in those cities and living under the constant fear that this could happen... I, I mean, there's a significant chance that it could happen on a regular basis... I don't know. I would start questioning that. What just you... from a purely, you know, fight or flight sure. survival standpoint. Like you, like, and I, at some point you can't accept that. Just from a intrinsic human perspective. Like, and you know, you're going to talk about random crime and murders and rapes and you know shootings and whatnot. Whatever. Like we, those are. I I I, I see a fundamental difference between those types of crimes and a terrorist attack that is. Like you're you're creating a this 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 vessel of of fear that is fundamentally different from any of those crimes. Does it change your thinking if no? no. <laughs> <laughs> if you know that that's what ISIS wants, right? I mean, so ISIS is looking to bait us into that dynamic, right? And they, then what? Well, they want us to crack down. They want this to be a clash of civilizations. They want us to to crack down the Muslim population in the United States and in London and elsewhere, right? They want this to be a divide. <laughs> you know, part of me wonders whether we have to be vigilant not to take that bait, right? I mean, that's what they want us to do is to sacrifice the very liberties that make a liberal Western democracy what it is. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm not saying that's not what they're trying so to I do. I win again, Nick. Shut up, Bill. <laughs> Shut up. Um... No, and I agree that that's a that's one of their primary goals. But there's a difference between, you know, keep calm and carry on, and being realistic and pragmatic about the situation that you're in. And not only that, yeah. at some point the reactions are going to start coming from the populace that doesn't want to put up with that shit anymore. You know, Churchill. Churchill. It would be fascinating to bring Churchill back. And have him respond to... Because I'm guessing it wouldn't be a good response. Like, I, you know, I find Churchill fascinating, but I don't think he would respond well to, to Islamic terrorism. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Yeah. No. 
Oh. I, 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 I don't know. Should, I, we, should we narrow in on the interaction between uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, and Trump? Because that, that's kind of an interesting dynamic as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. We should we should talk a little bit just about how Trump generally live tweeted a terrorist attack. Yes. Start. Go. Go, <laughs> Phil. So I mean, the, the 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 tweet that you're talking about, which he critiqued Sadiq Khan, so uh, by, by taking one of his quotes out of context is was part of it. But he he tweeted about um, in the process. I mean, so so Sadiq Khan, I, I guess, made a statement at one point that said essentially. There's going to be an increased police presence around London for the next week or so. Um, basically, don't worry. This is, you know, this is normal. No, no reason to be alarmed. That's what no that reason was, to be alarmed. Yeah. That was the term, and that and that was what Trump latched onto and basically said, "You've just had a terrorist attack." And do you want me the to read? Says no reason to be alarmed. <laughs> Phil, do you want me to read the quote? <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's the tweet uh, from Donald J. Trump. Pathetic excuse by London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who had to think fast on his, quote, no reason to be alarmed statement. MSM is working hard to sell it. Mainstream media. <laughs> I didn't even know that was the, the accurate. I hadn't heard that one. I just no. heard the one in which he originally said how insane it was for him to, to, to say there was no reason to be alarmed. He was busy. Right. Um, mm. Yeah. But he also, he also tweeted about how uh, London has no guns. They have strict gun control, and this mm. still happens. So all the people who want to ban guns are idiots. Um, which got a lot of response. There, there, was, well. a, there was a whole travel ban element. Mm. Yes, that this is why the travel ban. It, he embraced the travel ban. Yes. It wasn't just that. That this is why the travel. This is. It wasn't just. This is why uh, our whatever the proper term for it is that he should be calling it. He basically came out and said, "Call it whatever you want. I'm calling it a travel ban." <laughs> In all caps. That was my favorite part. Like it was like he was like. He'd been alone. Nobody was around him. He was like travel ban, all caps. <laughs> as as the tra as the travel ban is like headed to the Supreme Court to be dis determined. Like yes. just just like oh. well, Phil, you should point out. So Kellyanne Conway's husband. You were we were talking just before we went on yes. air. Tell tell us what happened there. So, yeah, Kellyanne Conway's husband is an attorney who was uh, offered the position of I think Solicitor General, one of the positions in the in yes. the uh, Trump administration, and had turned it down just this last week, but he's a big Trump supporter and went on after this tweet to reiterate that he's still a Trump supporter. But yeah, he tweeted something. I, I don't have it with me. I'd have to look it up. But basically saying that Donald Trump is an idiot. Like your case is headed to the Supreme Court. You can't be saying this stuff. Like you're undermining your own administration. The, the, yeah. the dinner over Kentucky Fried Chicken at the Conway House had to be awkward that night. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no, it was... And so... The fact that tr Trump did this uh, caused a lot of reaction, right? I mean, there were many who said this was inappropriate. This is fucking dumb. Right. In, in this moment of crisis in Great Britain, that you should be more sensitive. And again, that the fact that nobody's nobody's vetting his tweets, that he's just saying this. And it's not like one. I mean, he there's a whole, like it was 10 or 15 tweets over the course of time that came out. You know what, though? Yeah. I bet his base fucking loved it. Every single sure. aspect of it. Right. And he doesn't care about anyone else besides those people that voted for no, him. No, I, I think that's becoming clear, mm. right? That that is a group that he is, whether it's the Paris Climate Accord you know, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, like he, that's a group where he says, they like me, I'm going to run with that. Bannon seems to have, Bannon and Steve Miller are now relevant again because this is where he's at. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not, 
not nice, Nick. It's not nice. <laughs> it's ins- it's not nice. It's also stupid. Like I like yeah. it's a it's why. You talked about before we went on the air, Bill. You were saying like, imagine the reaction. Imagine how Americans would have reacted if, I don't know, the Prime Minister of Great Britain had respond had like live tweeted like criticism of Rudy Giuliani like the day of September 11th, right? Yeah, it would have been. It's 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 just bizarre behavior, and it's also terrible political strategy, right? Like yes. he can stick to his base, but there's increasing evidence that his base. Not quickly, but it is shrinking. His numbers continue to fall. Um, the number of like is that one of those hard polls again yeah, that yeah. you're looking it, at? Those polls that are accurate ninety nine percent of the time. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean the the, number, the percentage of people, even though his his support amongst his base is still high, the number of people who fall within his base is shrinking. So there's a there's some evidence that people. Are, are you know who, if you ask people who voted you know who consider themselves you know diehard Republicans or whatever um, he does pretty well but there's evidence that people are not describing themselves that way anymore um, and even the support versus strongly support the strongly support number has fallen dramatically so his support number is still okay but his strongly support is not um, so yeah I mean it's it just but yeah you're right it, he cares about I, even beyond his base he cares about himself. That's the only thing. Like he's so self-focused that that you that has everything can be explained by thinking, you know, Trump's just focused on himself above anything else. Well, and if you think about the relationship with Great Britain, that is like you know, the, Canada's close to us, but Great Britain is the one, right? That's mm-hmm. the one that most Americans would say that's our closest alliance. You know, Londoners are up in arms over this, like uh, over uh, Trump's tweets, right? They, they find this totally offensive. Um, it's just it's just not smart to be alienating allies in this way. That, that, for me, that's the most frustrating thing, right? I mean, politics is supposed to stop at the water's edge. You know, what you should do, and he did do this. Like he said, you know, uh, whatever the United States can do will help out in London. He, made, he said the right thing in one tweet. Right. And then in 17 other tweets, he undermined it and made this attack in London about American politics. And that's, that's just not smart. Right. Oh. I... I, I don't know. Not at all. <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. It's, it's, it's such a bizarre place to be at where we're so focused on the interaction between the mayor of London and the U.S. president, right? It's just somebody should pull him aside and say, let this go. This is not, this is not a fight you pick. Well, but I, don't you think people have tried that? Like, I, I, you got to think people, people would have. Right, right. Or, or at least the people around him have given up trying. Because right. it doesn't matter. Like well, you can't. Like, <laughs> well, that's and that's a great point. And, and I, we should talk beers in a second. But I mean, if we talk about NATO, this week there was the the the, st- the story broke that um, whether it was the Article Five of NATO that you know the idea that attack on one is attack for all. This was in the speech that Trump was going to give, and Mattis, and McMaster, and Tillerson all had fought for this, and at last minute Trump pulled out. Right? I mean, he made his own decision to do this against the adults in the room, right? Trump is going to do what Trump is going to do. Right. The sentence that was in the speech, this was in the original draft speech that he was going to, that he gave. The quote was, we face many threats, but I stand here before you with a clear message. The U.S. commitment to the NATO alliance and to Article 5 is unwavering. Those, those 27 words he took out himself. He's the first president since 
I think every president since Truman has since basically NATO was formed has has reaffirmed Article Five, and he took that out. Yeah, against the advice of all of his foreign policy people. Yeah, and again that that caused a lot of people to be concerned because it felt like well Trump is going to be Trump and he's a bit of a rogue. He'll do what he wants to do, but at the end of the day, there are adults in the room who will moderate foreign policy issues, which most of us thought would. Happen, right, which uh, has not happened. Uh, right, and and Mattis and McMaster, both of which I have a lot of faith in. Like those are individuals I look to and say I trust them. Tillerson, it's hard to know, but uh, that they were upset about this. Uh, this is a so, this is a big deal. Yeah. So, but but I I have a proposal. Yeah. Let's talk beers. Okay. And then let's come back, and I want to ask you a question about that. I'm all, I'm <laughs> lathered up, Phil, but I can talk all beers. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll go first because it's easy. I, I was telling uh, Bill and Nick before we went on that two weeks ago, uh, because I had been enjoying Lagunitas 12th of Never so much, I went and bought a 12-pack. And so I, I'm working my way through that. So I had two You are not helping us Lagun- find sponsors. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> two Lagunitas 12th of Ales today. And, and again, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I, I like it a lot. It's pretty delicious. It is. It's a fantastic beer. All right. So uh, <laughs> Nick and I started with a bomber from uh, Spiteful Brewing, and it was Messenger IPA. Uh, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of their description. It's a long description, but it says, To all the bike messengers out there who dedicate their lives to not giving into the man, this imperial IPA was brewed with citra hops to help you take your mind off the grimy, lower, whackless, aim, whacker, aimless pedestrians and asshole security guards, right? Lots of those on whack. Yeah, yeah, so this is out of obviously out of Chicago. Uh, it was... It was citra hoppy, mm-hmm. but you described it as banana like. Almost like nutty, kind yeah. of banana y taste. It was, yeah, it was a different from your normal citra Which IPA. I have no idea if that's even kind of remotely right. No, but I, I do like their, their, their label is fantastic. It is pretty good. It's a biker. It's, it's good. Is that a bike messenger? Yeah, bike messenger, like yeah. That? I guess it is, yeah. Yeah. So, good good beer. We'd pretty love good. to work more with you. My it's 10.4, too. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. My second beer was from Lagunitas, uh, and it was uh, Mondo Large Red Ale. Um, I like that a lot. Oh, that was a red ale? Yeah. I you said it was like a mango thing. Uh, well, no, Mondo. Oh, Mondo. Yeah. Sometimes oh. I, I, I mumble my words. Oh. but uh, you're trying to sound sophisticated. <laughs> yes. Mongo. It, this, I, I, I love red ales, and this fits within that category. Very much Man. enjoyed it. Um, yeah. That's maybe why I said mango, so you wouldn't uh, drink it. <laughs> I had a, a toasted lager from Blue Point Brewing Company out of, looks like it's out of Long Island, which would make sense. Um, pretty standard, mm-hmm. not going to lie. Um, it's it's good. It's it's definitely a uh, kind of a, an amber, amber ale kind of thing. Um, again, nothing really super special about it. A little sweeter than I thought it would be. Overall, pretty drinkable. Um, it just doesn't have, I don't know, like unless it's an IPA or something that has a little bit something different to it i just i don't know it's just kind of plain yeah but not bad yeah not bad sponsor us <laughs> I, I will say so after we finish these uh nick and i have a couple lining kugels yay grapefruit shandies Yo, waiting for us sounds less i don't know if there's a better shandy than a grapefruit shandy um it's it's the best nick we need a summer shandy no 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 grapefruit is better than the summer no that's false no <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong nick <laughs> all right phil 
All right, so um, the Article 5 stuff, taking it out of, of the speech, um, Mattis has been giving international speeches in which he's not at all backed up by the president. You have the Paris climate stuff. You have all of this insane stuff going on. You have had a lot of hope or faith that people like Mattis and McMaster, and early on at least, even Tillerson, would keep Trump in line. And you were an advocate of, it's good to have these guys there, right? You want the the um, the adults in the room. If you're Mattis or McMaster now, and it's become clear that your advice doesn't matter, that he's going to do his own thing, speeches, policies that you've pushed him on, he's going to ignore. Do you stay? Do you resign? Like, is this is this enough to make you walk away and use that to make sort of a public statement about uh, the foreign policy of Donald Trump? Should they do that? This is a great question. And, and uh, Tom Ricks, who writes for Foreign Policy, has come out this week or the previous week, and he is he's basically attacked McMaster and said, he should resign. He has lost his soul, and if he wants to have any credit, takes four months to right. lose a soul. Any credibility, and to your point, any impact, he should resign so people realize what is out there. I tend to disagree with this for this reason: those on the inside of the information, inside of the administration, see more than we see, and they have a better sense of what's going on. And the fact that they are staying, giving, given the humbling, I mean, McMaster had to go out and basically lie. I mean, he had to go out and right. and, and compromise his long-term career prospects, his integrity, all of that has been compromised. And Mattis, not, not so much, but Tillerson, I think, as well. They must see something that terrifies them. They must see that if they leave, there will be a Bannonite or somebody like that who will replace them. That's a good point. And that scares them so much that they're willing to compromise their own career opportunities and their own integrity to keep the United States existing as is, right? And for me, I, I again, I'm just speculating, but that's my thought on it, and I, I'm glad they're there. But so my my counter to that is you you are well, I have a couple of sort of. I don't know that I disagree with you, but a couple Good. of responses to that. One of which is <laughs> you are assuming like angelic qualities of, of these people, right? There is the chance that they are in power and they're in this position and stepping down seems dramatic. And one, you know, one sort of uh, the, these little things, you know, Trump do, taking out this line from a from a NATO speech um, these little things can seem small in the moment when you're, you know, Secretary of Defense or National Security Advisor, and so it, it's possible for you to sort of, you know, the the loss of your credibility or the loss of your um, legitimacy doesn't happen, you know, overnight, right? It doesn't happen instantaneously. So there's a chance that this is eroding, and they just don't realize it, or it doesn't seem. You know, it doesn't seem as dramatic mm -hmm. to them necessarily as it does to us. So uh -huh. it, it not it may not be that they're perfect and they see how awful it might be if they leave. The other part to that is even if that is true, even if they are wonderful and, you know, benign rule, you know, they're, they're great, you know, enlightened philosophers who are there advising the president. At some point, if the president doesn't listen to you and ignores everything you say, does it matter if you stay or if you leave? I mean, at, the, at that point maybe the more powerful thing to do is to leave and make a public statement about this 
as opposed to staying and letting Trump listen to Bannon on foreign policy anyway, right? I mean, if, if that's what's happening anyway, then what, what good is it doing for them to stay there? I, I sorry. No, go ahead. To interrupt. I, I look at it, I, I do agree to some aspects of what you're saying, but I agree with your more pessimistic viewpoint. But I think that there's an aspect of it that, I, I mean, everyone in Washington and everyone in the federal government has some sort of agenda. And there's no, like, you can make a statement, but that's not going to to help you in the long run, realistically. And, and I mean, regardless of whether or not you think that he's going to be impeached, it's the prospect that you making a statement and resigning is somehow going to help you, especially when you're, mm-hmm. you know, a career military person who has respect within that. Wow, that's classy. Um, uh, I lost a train of thought on that one. <laughs> um, I, I, I can see them uh, staying because they see that there is realistically a brighter future in staying within the administration for the time being that if he's impeached, there's uh, a place of equal, if not more, influence in a, uh, a Pence, or if he doesn't get impeached in whatever administration is immediately after these four years or eight years. Um, statements are great, and, and I, I think they're, they can be powerful, especially from a public perspective, but these are not people who necessarily give a shit about the public perspective either. These are behind-the-scenes guys who are thinking about the... Uh, again, they're playing three-dimensional chess. It's it's it, it's different for them than how we perceive it, I think. I wouldn't disagree but, with either of you. The only thing I would say is that, yes, they're self-interested, right? Both of them are thinking about... The, they're thinking about both their careers and all of that, but they're not going to leave if they still think they have influence. Right. So, so when, when they make that statement, when they say, I'm going to resign and make this big deal about this, is when they feel like they can't shape the agenda anymore. So we're not there anymore. The fact that they haven't done this, the fact that, you know, Mattis, uh, McMaster, and Tillerson are still continuing to be part of the administration feels like they're, they must still have some influence. Once they are totally alienated, then I would expect one of them to, to say, that's it, you know. Yeah. You're still you're still you're still assuming like the absolute best of them. And I think there's there is some element of power and corruption that sort of erodes at you in a way that you don't necessarily even recognize while it's happening to you. So I I think the other part of it is that if you stay for so what you've seen happen to McMaster and Mattis just in the couple of months they've been in power is a chipping away of this sort of legitimacy or authority that they carry, right? So if they stay on for two years and then walk away or make a statement, that statement is not as powerful then because they've been, they've had their um, power or their, you know, their ability to speak truth chipped away at or eroded, right? And so that, it's a hard balance because you want those sorts of guys there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, sometimes, yeah, I, 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 I really go back and forth debating this. Like, is it better to have them there or is it better for them to use this platform to make a statement about the truck? Particularly, you know, early on, I see the whole, you know, give them a chance. They're a public servant. I'm, we're going to give Trump a chance. But at some point, as this sort of stuff continues to happen, I, I don't know. I think at some point you have to 
you have to walk away. Well, I, I think it's going to be really telling, especially after tomorrow. It, I, I think tomorrow is going to be a, a pretty significant breaking point for members of the administration and people in higher levels of, of governmental authority. And if it starts going south, like I, it's either you're going to see a mass defection in the pretty near future, or you're not gonna see it. That's a good point. It's uh, it's it's not gonna make a difference if one person leaves and everybody else stays on. Then you just look like an asshole. But if there's again a mass exodus from the administration, that's a significant statement. But that's a, uh, that's uh, a great uh, point. And I I would say that so the the Trump today announced its new FBI director or nominee for FBI, uh, Christopher Ray. And he is a moderate, right? And this is a big deal. I think this suggests that the Trump administration is aware of the fact that they can't all be Bannonites. Right. They have to. They have to placate the reality that it can't. It has to be a mix there, and that's to me that's important. He he was also Chris Christie's lawyer in the he Bridgegate was. scandal, and apparently <laughs> has been accused of possibly obfuscating evidence and hiding evidence in that. So. Small potatoes, Barker. Small <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> oh, I mean, it makes sense, right? If you want, like, if Trump values, like, loyalty and whatnot, I can see him sort of going this direction. It was, he, I don't know that much about the FBI nominee. It, it was not as bad as, you know, initial glance as I would have feared from Trump. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can get the support to actually get approval this was this was good it was yeah pound for pound i felt like this podcast i'm tired now we learned a lot (laughs) (laughs) um do we want to mention the qatar i mean we have like a couple minutes do we want to mention the middle we didn't touch on the middle east at all no we didn't a lot of fucking disaster yeah a big deal so there was there was the attack in iran which was a a significant attack by isis one by well supposedly by isis which there's some question about that because they were claiming responsibility for it as the attack was happening, yes. which they normally do it afterwards and, you know, whatnot. No, it, 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 that's a big deal. It, it was it, an attack in Afghanistan as well this week. Right. A terrorist, uh, large, large yes. terrorist attack. Yeah. So the attack in Iran is a big deal. One, and because uh, well, there's, a, there's a broader dynamic between Saudi Arabia and Iran in terms of power in the Middle East and mm-hmm. Trump's like unquestioning support of Saudi Arabia appears to have emboldened Saudi Arabia. And in Iran, they see ISIS and Saudi Arabia as basically the same actor. Now, I think that's that's not accurate, but nonetheless... It's, not, it's, it's also not inaccurate. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, so we talked about this last week, you know, the fact that, you know, Trump goes and loves Saudi Arabia and then criticizes Iran. Like, Saudi Arabia has a, a questionable... Human rights right, not even questionable. Terrible That's, human rights horrible. record. Yeah, That's, aren't they in charge of the the UN um, human council? Rights council. I, I, was it the Human Rights Council? I heard they were put in charge of women's rights too. That, that seems awful. Which I found hilarious. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. So you know the the idea of this, is, and I, I don't think Iran is totally wrong by linking those two organizations. Obviously, there's a separation, and Saudi Arabia is not you know, calling the shots for ISIS, but they certainly play a role in, in terms of a more militant interpretation of Islam. So and, no and yeah. funding. Exactly. Right. Funding all so no, this was a this was a big deal and I don't think Trump fully appreciates how significant his support of both Saudi Arabia and Israel, how important that is for all of this, in particular for the shift against 
Qatar, right? Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah. the denouncement of Qatar yeah. as it, when they're links to terrorism, I guess. Well, we have pretty much one of the most, if not the sig- yeah. most significant um, air bases in the region yeah. in Qatar. Like, what are you Ten, doing? 10,000 10, so- American soldiers are in Qatar. Right. And Donald Trump, again, tweeted about that. Praising Saudi Arabia, Arabia's condemnation of Qatar, would we have ten thousand American ah. troops? And, and, and so there's there's been a fair amount of this is a fairly technical, but those within the foreign policy community who suggest that Trump is a realist and, and that no Trump is not a realist if he doesn't appreciate the fact that the U.S. needs Qatar or Qatar like in terms of our strategic interest in the region. It's yeah. it's no, it's it's largely ignorant and it's just insane. When he tweets about domestic issues, it bothers me less than the foreign policy stuff. Right? Well, I mean, we talked about it before. Yeah. Like it scares the shit out of you. Like it does. there are, there's there are significantly higher stakes in that level. I'm I'm sad. I, or, I'm sad, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be nice. Mm. Um no, I I mean what I I was shocked by the the brazenness of the attack in Iran because they even had a quote-unquote significant terrorist attack right. within was it within Tehran or within Iran uh, it was because they attacked both the uh the, the yeah. parliament right, and right, right. uh parliament. the the uh, uh the previous supreme leader's gravesite yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the last attack was in 2010 so yeah. it's and, and I mean, for such a, especially in Tehran, like yep. such a, a police state. Yeah. Again, the the brazenness of the people who did it, whether it was ISIS or not, like it just, I, I mean, things are spiraling out of control. And if it is, and I, my my thought is, it it probably is ISIS. It suggests that they are a again sophisticated organization, probably more sophisticated than Al Qaeda was. And this is a reality we have to get used to, that they're going to attack multiple targets, not just, you know, the ones that we're expecting. But that's, uh, again, that's the thing, which I keep questioning, is they're more sophisticated in the sense that they can have people perceive that their influence is everywhere, regardless of whether or not they have any influence on the people who are committing these acts or not. And that's more frightening than anything. Fear goes a long way. Al-Qaeda was such a... As much as you say it was, you know, a cell network and, and you know, kind of disparate, they all had a... It, there was a central command structure, and you knew what the hierarchy was and who was involved and could, could parse that out. This is just... Anybody who commits any sort of act like this is somehow going to be related to... I, ISIS. I, I, we don't know exactly. I do think that ISIS has more central control than we think. I think they like the idea that it's all rogue stuff, and I think well, they do. Yeah, that's the thing. They went from this kind of territorial standard kind of standing force that could be picked off, and then just morphed into this, this, yeah. Uh, and, morphed into an amorphous cloud of oh, things like that you know. And it's my it's my impression that they there is a fair amount of evidence that they just claim right. these. Like they're not planning a lot of the. I think some of them they are, but most of them they're not planning. Right. It's just somebody does this and they you know claim it as their own. It's a brilliant um, strategy. I mean, it's so yeah. simplistic, but it's so effective. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Now I'm even more tired. <laughs> yeah, this is good. All right. So, uh, shameless plugs? Shameless plugs. 
like us on Facebook, share us with our your friends, um, and the email has been so quiet, so quiet. Barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. <laughs> Twitter, we need to be better about on Twitter. We're not on Twitter as much as we should be. We do need to do. Yeah, that. we should probably plug our individual Twitter accounts, especially if we're gonna if something happens tomorrow. Yes, uh, wjmuck at yahoo.com. Uh, I'm N A McGuire, M C G U I R E. And I'm uh, I am Philip W Barker. At Philip W. Barker. Okay. One L? One L. One L. That's because you're special. <laughs> One W. <laughs> um, yeah, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Twitter is still at Barstool Paul. Paul P O L. P O L. Yep. Yeah. Um, again, find us on SoundCloud. Um, review us and like us on iTunes. That helps us to yep. go up the charts with our little audience no we're, we're growing baby we're growing <laughs> we are growing every week and tomorrow's a good day tomorrow's gonna be an exciting tomorrow's day gonna be awesome check back check check the facebook page um yeah thanks guys cheers it. cheers guys